Welcome to the latest edition of the Albany Law School podcast. I'm Ben Myers, Assistant Director of Communication and Marketing here at Albany Law School. Today on the podcast, this is one of my favorite recordings we've done here on the show. We're talking with 1L Jenabu Diallo and Professor Pat Rahan about their relationship and how being a 1L here on campus at Albany Law School is. And it's just an incredible talk that we have with them. And even stick around after the sign-off because we have some well, not really outtakes, but just some banter back and forth between them that really shows the relationship between our students here at Albany Law School and the faculty. We'll get to them in just a second. As always, before we start our shows, though, go to albanylaw.edu slash coronavirus for all of the updates that you're going to need for coming back to campus. Go to albanylaw.edu slash commencement if you need details on our upcoming commencement ceremonies. Make sure to follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. That gives you the day-to-day of everything happening here on campus. And you can hear previous episodes of the podcast, especially if you like this one. You can subscribe for more episodes of the podcast on any of the major services or check out our SoundCloud account. Enough for me. Let's jump right in and talk to these two. Back here on the podcast with Professor Rehan and Jenabu Diallo. And uh, Professor Rehan, if you just take a second to introduce yourself to everybody listening to the podcast today. Certainly, I'd be happy to, but first, Ms. Diallo, let me wish you a very blessed Ramadan. Okay, Professor Rehan, so you'd say thank you. I'll say thank you. Um, Ramadan Mubarak. You, so you would wish me Ramadan Mubarak, and then I would say Ramadan Kareem. So let's try it. Um, All right, let's try it. Ramadan Mubarak. Thank you, Ramadan Kareem. Alhamdulillah. Thank you. Thank you. My name is Patricia Rehan. I'm a professor at Albany Law School. Actually, I'm a distinguished professor at Albany Law School, which I think is mostly a function from just having been here a very long time. Well, I don't think it's that. <laughs> but Genevu, uh, if you do just introduce yourself to everybody listening today. Hi, um, I'm Genevu Diallo, and I am a Spring Start 1L, and I'm honored to have distinguished Professor Rehan as my property one professor. I'm new to the law school. This is my first semester and I'm very, very excited to be on this podcast. So thank you, Ben, for having me. And I'm honored to be here with Professor Rehan. Absolutely. And and this this easygoing banter back and forth is actually exactly (laughs) why I was hoping to have you both on the show here because we actually had a town hall meeting a couple weeks back and it's just this natural curiosity I, I tend to hear between both you, Professor Rehan, and you, Genevu, that it's just so, this is what it's like to be a student here at Albany Law School, right, Genevu? It is. And I think that um, the misconceptions people have are that, you know, you're supposed to be so scared of your teachers when you go in and they're going to cold call you. And it's, it's such a scary um, environment. But, you know, just getting to know Professor Rehan, um, you see that your teachers are um, very much personable. Having that interaction and that engagement definitely opens up a space where um, you can get to know someone on a deeper and a different level and it allows you know familiarity so um i'm really grateful and blessed to just have great people um at this law school so yeah and is there any difference between being a law student and being an undergrad yes 
<laughs> only because I'm at a different point in my life. So I will say that like being a law student is very fun because you get to learn a lot about yourself. You are building just your own inner self. Like you're, you're realizing that you probably don't have enough patience. You're realizing that everyone around you likes to talk. So you're not the only person in this space that, that talks. One of the things that I really like about law school is that it gives you a space to really inquire and it allows you to challenge yourself in your own thinking. So I think the tools that you get from law school actually helps you with um, personal development. Whereas in undergrad, and I'm a non-traditional student, so I didn't come straight to law school from undergrad. I actually got my master's degree and then went into the military. But even within those spaces, I really had no idea what I wanted to do. So law school, I think, gives me a foundation of developing myself professionally. And also I feel like law school is a space where it's my passion. So I actually am in a space where I can have fun learning what it is that I'm being taught. And even though, you know, it's a little difficult, I think for the most part, it's a space where you really get to learn a lot about yourself in, in undergrad. I kind of went into college just because I didn't want to disappoint my parents, you know. Um, but this is a choice I think I made for myself. And yeah, I would say that would that's that's the key distinction from undergrad. Well, thank you for your service, first of all, for, for going into military service. What branch did you serve in? Oh, so I'm currently in the United States Army Reserves. So I'm a 92 Alpha and I'm a logistical specialist. I deal with organizing things and um, putting things into different compartments, just making sure everything is you know, kept on track, whether it is that we have to go into war or whether we're just looking at supplies. I'm the person that you go to, to make sure things are kept in line. So I, I, I have that stern, you know, <laughs> personality. So I, I, I sometimes have to switch out, but it's, it's, it's yeah. 92 alpha. Well, thank you again. Uh, I had a, one of the best men in my wedding was uh, a medic. So I, oh, I, wow. I know, yeah, okay. I know the commitment that it takes and now adding law school with it as well. Whew, that's a, that's a lot you got on your shoulders. And and just one more question before we get to Professor Rayhan here. Um, this past year has been crazy, like between both military service and now law school, and you're taking this big leap into law school. What made Albany Law the right fit for you? Wow. Well, when I was a child, my grandmother said to me, I talk a lot that I'm going to be a judge. And, um, you know, just being a child, um, I always had the childhood trait of being the rebellious one or just being curious and um, always saying, Mom, why do I have to do this? And just being in that space and then also coming from a background where my mother couldn't read or write when she first got to this country, um, I think she instilled the values of having an education was very mostly important because we didn't come from wealth. We didn't come from money. She told us that knowledge is the only thing that people can't take away from you. So, you know, you only get respected in this world if you have money or if you're smart. So the route I had to go into was I had to be smart. So that being said, I always found a passion in education. So obviously college wasn't really a choice for me. It was more of a I had to go to college. And when I got to college, I had a professor, his name was Timothy Taylor. And he actually also went to law school and he used to teach a class called Law in Africana America. So I learned about like Dred Scott. I learned about Plessy versus Ferguson, a lot of different cases. And I was so into it that he said, you need to go to law school. And I was like, what, me? 
I don't know anything about law schools. That was like the seed that was planted in me. And then I used to walk past Albany Law School every day. I used to work at Panera Bread and lived at the college suites. And I would look at the school and I would say, God, one day I want to be here. And then I took my LSAT without studying, bombed it. And it was just like, I didn't know what to do, but I knew something in my heart told me that I needed to be at Albany Law. You know, I didn't give up. So I didn't, I knew law school wasn't an option because I bombed my LSAT. So I said, okay, I'm just going to go into the military because I need to gain discipline. I need to get a structure. I need to, 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 to really hone in on these things. So when I went into the military, I found a sense of discipline and I would, I, I actually, you know, took it upon myself to take the LSAT more seriously instead of just taking my smarts for granted. Albany Law School was the only school I applied to once I did feel okay with my LSAT score. And um, I just prayed. And when I got accepted, it was like, I felt like it was a divine, you know, calling for me to be at this school. So I don't know, I just feel like I belong in Albany. And then just being in the community, you know, at Albany Law, just it's, it's just been a blessing, you know, I'm just really grateful. And I don't know if I'm ranting, but that's, that's, that's how I feel well, about not why. A rant at all. I, not a rant <laughs> at all. We, we love having students like yourself. We can, we can, I can feel the passion coming through just listening wow. to you talk about it. So thank you for choosing us is, is what, what thank I'm you thinking. Thank you for choosing me. Thank you for choosing me. <laughs> One of well, our best decisions. Oh, certainly, <laughs> certainly. Uh, Professor Rahan, want to, to throw one over your way. You've been at the law school for a little bit. That distinguished tag doesn't come through commitment to Albany Law School. What made Albany Law the right fit for you? Oh, gosh. Well, I, um, I had gone to graduate school. I got a, an LLM, a, a, an advanced law degree, with the intention of teaching. And I should step back for a minute. Unlike Ms. Diallo, I was not at all directed toward law. I went, I went to law school somewhat by default, which turns out to be true of, of many of Ms. Diallo's uh, classmates and many of the students I've taught over the decades. I just didn't know what else I wanted to do. And law seemed like a really interesting thing to do. I did know what I wanted to do. I wanted to teach history. But at that time, there was about one history job in the entire country and I wasn't going to get it. So what to do instead? So I wanted to be a teacher actually before I wanted to be a lawyer. I, I loved law school. I was privileged to get a very interesting, fascinating clerkship position with a judge on the high court of the state of Washington, which is where I'm from. His passion for law really ignited a true passion for law in me. And he was also by nature a very good teacher. So I went to an LLM program in order to, to, to go into uh, teaching. And I, as I mentioned, I was born and raised in the state of Washington. So I'd always had something of a fascination with the East Coast. My specialty at that time was international law. And I wanted to get, I wanted to be close to New York City. I wanted to be close to the United Nations because I did then and still do find the United Nations absolutely uh, fantastic. I really liked Albany Law School when I came to interview here. I liked the faculty. I loved the student body. We'll, we can talk about that more later, but I think the student body here over the decades, and I have been here over four decades, is one of the, is one of the great 
great assets of the school. As is the fact I've come to appreciate even more after these decades that it is a freestanding law school. And those are very few and far between, but it gives us such flexibility to do what we think is best in the curriculum, what we think is best for the students. And we can be agile in, in, making, in making some changes when society and, and law and, and culture suggest we should make those changes. We can, do, we can make that decision as an institution on our own. And that flexibility has been, has been it was attractive when I looked at Albany Law School and I wasn't, I wasn't wrong to be attracted to that. Absolutely. And I do want to talk about that agility in just a minute here, especially with mm -hmm. current events as they are. We're recording on April 21st. So obviously some very big current events going on right now. But I, you did mention it quickly there for a moment. And I want to circle back to it is, is the student body here. We obviously have Jenna Boo on the call with us for this podcast. What has the student body done to change over the years? And what is still the same about the students here at Albany Law School from your perspective, Professor Reha? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. And, and I could spend hours on it, but I imagine that's, that's not what you or Ms. Diallo anticipate. She needs to get back to her study. Of so course, I'll try to, of course. I'll try to, try to keep it pretty short. Let me start by how it's the same. And it goes to uh, the thing that I mentioned in your earlier question about what attracted me to Albany Law School. The students, and I, these are all going to be generalities, but the students at Albany Law School, like Ms. Diallo, in my experience for four decades, have a passion to be here. And that, and, and part of that is because for many of them, they're the first people in their families to go to law school. Mm -hmm. For many of them, they are the first people in their families to have gone to college. And that, so, for most of our students, they come from a background, as Ms. Diallo described for herself, not of great wealth or privilege. Mm -hmm. And so they are so grateful for the opportunity to be able to, to be in a law school, to prepare for a profession that's honorable and, mm -hmm. and largely dignified and consequential. And I've always found that in our students. They work incredibly hard. They're incredibly grateful for, to the faculty for teaching them to their fellow students for supporting them, to the institution, that's not changed a bit. And it's still, to me, one of the most attractive things about teaching here. In terms of what has changed, when I started, well, let me step, step back from it. When I went to law school, there were 6% six, 6 of my class were women, six. Now over 50% of the class wow. is women. And that's true throughout, throughout law schools. When I started here, there was, and again, this is a generality, there was a homogeneity to the, to, the, to the law student body. And this would have been true in almost every law school. And the first part of that homogeneity is that almost all students, I would say a good 95% of students, unlike Ms. Diallo, came straight from college. Mm -hmm. They had no meaningful life experience outside of being in educational institutions. That started to change a few decades ago. And now we have, I don't know the percentages, but we have a large, large number of students like, like Ms. Diallo who describe themselves as non-traditional, although I suspect by now they're close enough to being a majority that perhaps they become the traditional ones. That has enormous impacts for the lives of all the students. I mean, look at what Ms. Diallo brings as a, as a person who's in the military 
not just showing up on time for meetings and apologizing for showing up on time for meetings, but just in, in the way she looks at the world, in the way she looks at tasks before her. We have people who have been, particularly in Ms. Diallo's January start class, we have, we have people who have been out doing real estate things, doing business things, doing medical things. And so they bring to their study of law a very different background. Here I'm just talking about, about professional backgrounds, but also the, the, the student body has changed in terms of the composition of people in it. I spoke of more women, mm -hmm. certainly, certainly more students of color. When I started here, there were very few students of color. They were the true insular minority. And that has, has changed over the decades. And, and just the simple fact of that change has changed our school so much. It still has to change more. And we'll imagine we'll talk about that. But, but to have people with different cultural experiences, different life experiences, different professional experiences, different religious experiences has just enriched the education enormously, enriched all of the other students, enriched what we talk about in class and absolutely has and will continue to enrich the legal profession and particularly to enrich the experience of the clients of future lawyers like Ms. Diallo. What I want to get to next is kind of why I want to have you both on the podcast at the same time is current events. Things are changing. The, the last summer, we obviously had the Black Lives Matter movement really start to gain steam. We just got the uh, verdict from the George Floyd trial. But one of the things that I've really noticed about the two of you is the way you interact. Uh, the, the, the banter back and forth, the ease of talking back and forth. And I think that's something really valuable that I wanted to share with the community. Could you both just kind of dig into why that is, what you've been talking about and what you were talking about on that town hall a couple of weeks back and how you've really been able to teach each other about different perspectives, different ways of life that have kind of come together here at Albany Law School. Let me defer to Ms. Diallo first, and then I'd love <laughs> well, to speak. Well, uh, so you ask, I want to um, go back to your first question of um, how is it that Professor Rahan and I talk to each other so easily? One, because we look at each other as humans. We see each other as that essence. And I think going into a space when you can value all people, doesn't matter their background, their age, their race, um, their religion, or their whatever the case may be, I think we went into the space of the classroom with a sense of respect and a sense of open mind and wanting to learn. So I think that set the foundation for what I'm now going to talk about my favorite case in <laughs> law school, Johnson v. McIntosh. Um, that case and I, it was the first case that we I read because Professor Rahan's class is on Mondays. And Monday is the first day of the week. And it was the first class. And I kid you not, Ben, when I read that case, I had to literally walk outside, take a deep breath. Deep breaths, and yes. And I was just ready to like go into class and ask the professor, Professor Rahan, 
Why did we read this case? What is the purpose of it? I was also very interested in seeing how she would discuss it as a professor. So that was one of the ways that like, I, I would attribute that a lot to my Africana studies background. This these types of conversations have become normal to me. And I am used to being probably the only person of color in my, usually in most of my classes, right? When it's outside of like an Africana studies course. I went in and I think the military helped me with this too, with a sense of confidence in class to ask Professor Rehan, hey, why is it this way? So I think she received my reaction very immediately. And, 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 and when she responded, you know, it was very, I think she shifted my thinking because I went in with the idea of wanting to be right. Right. And then she said, hold up, hold up, hold up. You have to look at it in the way that you need to look at it from a legal perspective. And you need to look at it in terms of we know the outcome is wrong, but how did they reach to that conclusion? And I think that shifted my perspective in terms of how to think in law school. So I think the value that I got from that discussion was, okay, we may not always agree with the outcome of the court, but what you can do is use your belief and use the tools that the law provides in order to change an outcome. So I think that was something that I went in to. It doesn't change my view of Justice Marshall. I still feel like, you know, we got a lot to talk about. But as far as how to read these cases without being so angry, Right. I think you can find value in that. And Professor Rehan taught me that. So I'm very grateful. And if maybe Professor Rehan, before you get going here, could you just give us maybe like a 30 second overview of the case, just for people who aren't as familiar <laughs> with it? You want to do that, Ms. Diallo? Or do no, you even want to do better. Oh, no, even all, better. The, all you. You're in the spot. <laughs> you get the cold call today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. OK, well, Ben, let, let me. Uh, let me put it as simply as, as I can. So the pro course is property. And the first case, Johnson versus McIntosh, involves, in essence, two white people who are arguing over land in what is now Illinois. And one of the claimants got the land through the chiefs of the Native American tribes that had lived there for eons. The other got the grant of land through the US government. Uh, that's simplifying it a little bit. And so Justice Marshall for the court had to decide, which it gets all the way up to the Supreme Court on the question of who got title to this piece of land, the person who got it through the government or the person who got it through, through the tribal authorities. And it's an interesting case. Um, I reacted to it the same way Ms. Diallo did, but certainly because of my own life experience, not nearly with the, with, the, with the passion that she would have. I reacted to it very badly as, as well. But as a teacher, I know, as, as Ms. Diallo describes, we, we need to have that discussion, but we also need to have the law discussion because we can't change, we can't change law, we can't change policy with knowing, without knowing how to walk the walk and talk the talk of lawyers. And so, you know, I thought a lot about how to teach the case. And by the way, what's interesting is, is that Justice Marshall also is discomforted by the situation he's being asked to, to decide because he, in he decides in favor of, 
of the title through the government, and he tracks that all the way back through basically getting property rights, through domination, through occupation, through conquest. So the most powerful sort of win. And so there's the, that, they don't sort of win, they do win. Uh, so there's that issue, the issue of pure raw power running through the case. There's also fascinating issues of, of what it means to meaningfully use something. So as Ms. Diallo knows, there's discussion in the case about the fact that, you know, the Native Americans weren't really using the land, whereas the white people are going to develop it and cultivate it and everything else. And, and that's such a value judgment about use of land that we would now look at completely differently. And then the thing that, that um, it was most hard for, for anyone reading the case is, is the assumption that Europeans were simply better than the indigenous people yeah. who lived here. And with that, Justice Marshall is careful in his language about that and is clearly discomforted by it, but it's there. So Ms. Diallo comes into the first day of classes just <laughs> smack in the middle of this, of this case that, that raises all those things. So one of the things that, that, that I want to speak to, to Ben about, and, and Ms. Diallo about the circumstances of studying law this year and of studying law on this day after a, a guilty verdicts in, in the trial of Derek Chauvin for the murder of, of George Floyd is that when I started teaching and actually until, in some ways, until the murder of George Floyd, I was always rather careful to soft, soft step issues of, of racism, issues of, of, of gender inequities, all those sorts of issues, but particularly issues, overt issues of racism, whether it's directed toward African-Americans or directed toward Native Americans in law. And I, I always soft stepped that because I was afraid of making the students of color in my class uncomfortable. They were already not the majority of people there. And I was worried that, that speaking about this would make them uncomfortable. Until I had a discussion with a, an African-American older student now in the second year class. And she's just a phenomenal, Dr. Bowden White. Dr. Michelle, yeah. She's yeah. been on the podcast yeah. before. She's wonderful. Yeah. She's, yeah. she's just fantastic. And yeah. I, after we had a school-wide discussion right after the, the, the murder and, and, and the you know, social unrest that followed, um, Ms. Bowden, I, I mentioned some of this and she said to me, and God bless her for saying this to me. She said to me, don't you think we already feel discomforted? You're not keeping us from being, you're not discomforting us. What you're doing is avoiding discomforting the majority population in the room. So we've always felt this and we've always desired to talk about it. And we've always wondered why you're not talking about it. And it was, it was like, you know, it was like the light came on for me. And I thought <laughs> she is absolutely right. And she said something to me that, that Ms. Diallo could probably speak to as well if she, if she wanted to. Dr. Bon White said to me, do you know how hard it was to come into law school to take a class in property where there was talk of chattels. And she said, most of the people in the room thought of chattels, didn't really know what chattels were. And in the, when the professor explained it, the professor would, would explain chattels are goods. They're mm -hmm. those chairs you're sitting on, they're the desks, they're all those sorts of things. And Dr. Bowden White said, 
for me, when I hear the chat, the word chattels, I think of how my ancestors were treated. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh my God, of course she does. I mean, slaves were chattel. They were traded like, like, mm -hmm. like chattel. They were paid for like chattel. And I had never thought of how searing that word must be. And so I use it extremely rarely in property because, because I'm so aware that of how it will be felt differently mm -hmm. by students like, like Dr. Bowden White and Ms. Biello than it would for students who, whose ancestors were not, mm -hmm. uh, were not chattel. So I think, so let me say, say one, one final thing about this. One of the many things I admire and respect about the woman with whom I am sharing this podcast is I had been thinking about how to raise these issues. With Ms. Diallo in the class, I don't have to think about how to raise these issues. She raises the issues and she goes right at them. And our exchange over, over the Johnson case was so interesting because it finally, I don't know if you have, remember how it ended Ms. Diallo, but we, you know, we're, we're in COVID, so we all have masks on. We can't yeah. get too yeah. close to each other. But I walked over and she said something about it. It just seems like it's just pure power. And I just put my hand on her desk and said, it is, it, it is, is yeah. pure. you're exactly right. That's what it is. You need to learn how to do the legal analysis. Right, right. Don't let the legal, don't let becoming a lawyer and thinking like a lawyer. Yes, ma'am. Let you lose your capacity to think like a, a caring human being who cares about justice. It was for me a phenomenal moment too. It was really neat. And I love the fact that she raises it herself. Thank you. And I'm so glad that you were also so open to it because I think once we had that exchange, I think after that, everyone wanted to pitch in in class and talk about it. So I think that broke down the ice and I think it actually created a comfortable space that now with my classmates, I think we can have these types of discussions and, you know, everyone feels as if they do have a input. So I think, you know, we kind of made change in that way. And thanks to you both for sharing just one example. Hopefully these are the ripples that start to turn into bigger waves as students become attorneys and attorneys start making change in the world. The next thing I do want to ask though is obviously that's one example of tackling a sensitive topic and I have a feeling I already know the answer to this question but I think it's just important to ask it and get both your perspectives on it still is why is it important for students and faculty and classes in general to be open and honest with each other about these sensitive topics to to tackle them head on? So I think we, I, I already said this, but um, I think having an open and honest space gives people an open mind. And I think law school is all about having an open mind and having a place to have honest discussions. And if we can't have that at the law school, then where will you have that? So I think that if students can come in to a space that they feel as if well, I can express myself in a safe and respectful way and feel as if as if I'm being heard and that my history isn't being pushed aside or if um, I can have uncomfortable discussions, I think it just makes the school that much more meaningful and it gives you that purpose of why you're there. So to me, it's everything. You know, if I didn't have that at Albany Law School, I wouldn't feel like I belong to this school. So for me, it's essential to my learning you know, that we, we talk about issues that matter in the world. Like it's one thing to learn about the substance of the law, but 
in the real world, you were trying to apply it. We are becoming the change makers. So we need to see the bigger picture. And I think these discussions guide that process. I, I couldn't agree more, but let, let me add my perspective as a, as a professor faculty member on this. I agreeing completely with, with what Ms. Diallo just said. I think as well, as well that it is essential to the education of a lawyer that we talk about this. And, and let me give you uh, two aspects of that. The first one being perhaps more obvious than the second one. The first one is Caucasian lawyers are going to have African-American clients and African-American lawyers are going to have Caucasian clients. And that's the way it is. And that's the way it, that's the way it, it should be. Male attorneys are going to have female clients. Female attorneys are going to have male clients. We can use all different kinds of, of cross experiential things that would work for this to talk about the way in which to be able to, as a lawyer, to be able to understand your client and understand where your client comes from, and particularly to understand that your client doesn't come from the same place you do. Your client isn't necessarily looking at the world from the same place you are. And to be able to open your heart and mind and, and, and your brain to, to hearing the experience rather than just hearing the words and translating them into your own experience is just a crucial professional skill. The second thing is this, you know that saying, those who don't know history are doomed to repeat it. We can, I teach a lot of commercial classes now. In a couple of them, access to credit is a huge issue. So you have business people who have a great idea and the, the big stumbling block for them is they don't have money to get their business off the ground. You have people who want very much to own houses because they know that the ownership of property is part of the way you build generational wealth in this country. And so we can look at that as a matter of law and here's how you apply for a mortgage and here's how you apply for a loan and here's how secured interests work and all that sort of thing. But if we ignore the fact that for generations and up until the present, groups of people based on ethnic and racial identity have not had the access to credit that would allow them to be successful in a way that allows the passage of generational wealth, in a way that, that allows the incredible satisfaction of running a successful business. And if we don't address why, if we don't address those structural things that are happening in financial markets, they're starting to break down, but they haven't completely, they haven't completely broken down. There's a recent uh, story this summer about an event out of Florida where they were, the interracial couple was selling their house and they needed to have a basic appraisal of their house, what they should set market price. And this appraising company came in and came, uh, came appraised at a number that was far, far lower than the couple had anticipated. They were really surprised by how low the number was. So, uh, and I'm not sure what motivated this, but what they did at the re recommendation of someone is they took all the pictures off the wall. So there were no pictures of this interracial couple with their child on the wall. We cleansed it, if you would. The same company, some representatives of the same company came in and valued the property at something like $100,000 more. Now, were they, were they look, you know, what was going on in the heads of, of that? Were they intentionally doing that or was it just, you know, a, a, a built-in bias? I mention it only because the problem still 
really exists. And if our students don't understand the problem, then they're not going to be good. They're not going to be a good advocates for their clients. They're not going to, to understand the, the significance of their client's experience as compared with their own. So I think it is just, it, you know, crucial isn't too strong a word to describe the importance of, of starting to understand these things as lawyers, whichever path we come to in becoming lawyers. Okay, a couple more before we get to the lightning round here. And Jenabu, this one's just for you since you're going to be finishing up your first semester of law school. Congratulations. Yay. <laughs> Even though it's kind of been non-traditional due to the pandemic, what have you learned? What have you learned about yourself? What have you learned about law school? Just what are your reactions to the first semester here? I think most importantly, I learned that I need to be patient with myself and that the key to success is not to give up and that, you know, there are times where you will fail, but it's not about where you start. It's about where you finish and that you don't need to be perfect. Also, I think one of the biggest things that I learned is that there's no right answer um, in law school. So I think that, um, these are life learned skills that I think that will help me forever. And I think that it'll just make me into a better human. So I'm excited that things were a little challenging for me because I got to learn more about me and I got to think about ways, how to manage stress, um, how to deal with, um, difficult questions, how to deal with uncomfortability, how to go into spaces where you think, you know, everything and honestly, you just don't, you know, and how to ask for help when you need it. So I think all of these qualities definitely, you know, for my next semester, I'm, I'm ready to face it on. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to tackle it. And I think it'll be a, a great, you know, great year. I don't regret anything, you know, during my first semester. So I'm just grateful and it can only get better from here. You know, once you get through your first semester, you can get through anything. And once you get through the military, you can get through anything. So this is just a bump in the road and it'll keep, it'll just keep getting better. What are you looking forward to the most during the rest of your one year and just your whole law school experience? Looking forward to torts, contracts. I'm looking forward to con law too. I just, my classes, just because now I have the foundational knowledge, I think it'll be more rewarding to learn about, you know, these you know, all these other facets and aspects of law. So I'm just excited to learn and be in the space where knowledge is power. So I'm just, I'm happy. One more question before we get to the lightning round here. And this is kind of like a lightning round intro question almost, but for <laughs> Professor Rehan, what's something that people might not know about the Albany Law School faculty that they probably should know? Hmm. That's, a, that's a really good question. Um, oh, you sure uh, you're going to share? You <laughs> <tell> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, one thing that's that that I really love about our faculty is these are really dedicated teachers. The mm -hmm. thing that drew me to Albany Law School, the, the respect for the students, the desire to share the journey that these students are taking is what drew almost all of us to the law school. And some of us are better at some kind of teaching and some of us are better at other kinds of teaching. Some students learn really well under my teaching style. Some students don't and they learn really well under my colleagues teaching, teaching styles. But the, the passion for teaching is there across the board. The other thing, and, and it's just in the nature, I think of, of 
who we are as professors is we tend not to, except in situations where, as you did, Ben, you asked me about my background, we tend not to, to talk about our backgrounds. And so the, ba the backgrounds of my colleagues are so fascinating. And in some cases, I've known them for decades before I learn about you know, this really interesting thing thing that shaped them. And I think that's part of our, what has been our kind of traditional view that the classroom isn't for that. You know, we just cleave to the materials in the book. We don't share our experience, but I think we're learning, we're learning to get better about that. But my colleagues are, are amazingly intelligent people. Some of the smartest people I've ever met in my life are on this faculty. And and part of their being smart is not only they know it, but they know how to teach it. All right. It's time for the lightning round. Are you both ready for the lightning round? Yes. Oh, is, it, is this a competition? I, we're stretching for it. We're, you can't see us, but we're stretching for it right now. <laughs> <laughs> I need All another right. cup we, of coffee. <laughs> we tend I'm to sorry. Have a it's bit... Ramadan. I shouldn't have said it's that. It's okay. Oh, talk about cultural <laughs> insensitivity. Oh, My no. God. that's okay. I don't I don't drink coffee, so that's okay. That, okay. okay. I won't make any other references to food or anything. That's okay. Oh, no. That's going to be part of the lightning round here. <laughs> Yeah, so, <laughs> I know, and you're asking her during Ramadan. So yeah, there you that's go. true. So we'll have the we have the caveat now. We have the caveat in there for <laughs> for everybody listening today. We do tend to have a little bit more fun here in the lightning round, and remarkably, we are getting near the end of the academic year. This has been a crazy academic year, but we are getting close to the end of it. Commencement coming up, or just summer vacations. Do either of you have any big summer plans? So I, I think I might be working at the Government Law Center this summer with Professor Ayers and helping her with, I think, election legislation. I also might also clerk with the family court judge that I am friends with. So she is in the, I believe, the third department in the state court of New York, um, Court of Appeals. I'm not sure because I know New York has a weird name for the different courts. So I'm thinking about maybe shadowing her and maybe work at the library too. So I'm just trying to figure out my summer plans. But for now, finals are my priority. Yeah, we'll see where the wind takes me. I'm such a free spirit. So I just kind of go with the flow and, and just see where it takes me. Professor Rayhan, what are you, Rayhan, excuse me. Uh, what are you doing this summer? Well, I'm almost embarrassed to say this after hearing this wonderful answer by Miss Diallo. She's going to be doing three things at once, plus her military stuff. Of course she is. That's, that's who she is. So it's almost embarrassing to say that I think for a couple of weeks, I might actually rest. Yeah, no, I might actually binge Netflix. I might actually read books that aren't law books. And then one of my great joys, Ben, is, is doing scholarship. So I'll, I would hope to finish a law review article this summer. I love libraries. I love being in the library. I love the fact that Ms. Diallo might be working in the library while I'm there. So I, I'm going to take a little time off. I'd love to travel if it becomes safe uh, to travel. My plan had been to take the coast-to-coast -coast hike in England and walk from one side of England to the other. But... Wow. That's not happening this year, so so I'll find something. Whew, that'd be a cool fun. trip to do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I was a distinguished professor. I could do that. <laughs> One day. Listen, someday. I I was trying to think of what I did after the summer of my first year, 
And I think it was, it was at that time, it was the tradition that you didn't do law stuff. And so I think I, I worked at the equivalent of a Dunkin' Donuts or, or, or something like that during that. That does sound like my time. summer jobs too, when I was in college. <laughs> mm -hmm. Exactly. You just took what you could get. Exactly. Okay. We're going to go back to another one of our, our crowd favorites here. This is the game called pick one. So I'm going to give you two options and you have to pick one. Now, again, we have the, the Ramadan is happening. So there might be an obvious answer here, but the, the participants of the game know the rules. So We'll let them decide what the, which one of these they want to pick. And the first one is coffee or tea. You have to pick one. Tea. Coffee. Tea. Tea. Chai. 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 Oh, it's green Moroccan mint green tea. It's the best. Oh, I have, okay. I'll get, we're going to get to the tea side soon, Professor Rehan. I, I do love tea. I do oh. love tea. But oh, give okay. me a good cup of decaf hazelnut coffee and I'm, I'm, coffee. I'm good. Do you like iced coffee? I love iced coffee, okay. but in the winter, I'm getting old, so I get cold. So I like hot coffee too. Okay, hot coffee. Okay. And I'm I'm my background is slightly. These are not fast answers. Sorry, but That's my okay. background, okay. as you can tell, looking at me is somewhat Anglo-Saxon and particularly, particularly British. And so I do do tea time. Yeah, work. British love tea. tea exactly. <laughs> All right, next one up. You have to travel to one location. And we already talked travel a little bit, but you have to travel to either Hawaii or Europe. It can be anywhere Europe. in Europe. Italia, Italy. <laughs> I've always wanted to go on the boat with the, like, if, you know, the lucky man that proposes will take me on a boat and then we'll, yeah. And then the guy will play the violin on the boat and yeah. Send us videos when it happens. Yes, certainly do. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Europe for me too, almost any place I'd go in, I'd go any place in Europe. All right, next one up here, hamburgers or hot dogs? And they don't have to necessarily be like traditional, I mean, we turkey dogs or whatever. But uh, if you're at the summer picnic, are you having a hamburger or a hot dog? And it's not Ramadan. And it's I not Ramadan. Get, I usually get one of each, as long as it's a kosher hot dog. And I usually ask for a hot dog and a and a hamburger. But I put hamburger, I think hamburger. You, a nice, juicy Lucy is always, it's, it's good. <laughs> And Ms. Diallo, when things return to normal, which will hopefully be by the by the end of next year, we do have a big end of the year picnic out in the courtyard and the faculty oh, cooks and Dean Queenan and I cook the hot dogs and, and the hamburgers and we'll be watching for you to have one of each and we'll make sure <laughs> it's not during the I'm, I'm a I'm a hot dog person, Ben, especially if you're at a, to me, uh, hot dogs are really only interesting if you're at a ball game. Any kind of ball game, any kind of sporting event, a hot dog with some good, some good mustard on it. Mm, can't beat it. Are you a Yankees fan, Mets fan, Red Sox, Blue Jays? Yankees and Yankees and Mariners. Oh, and Mar so, oh yeah, you're Giants from Washington. Giants and yeah. Seahawks. I come from Seattle. Yankees, so. I'm in the Bronx. Come on. <laughs> well, I'll be I'll be the the correct one here, and I'm a Mets fan, so that's well, okay. Oh, okay, okay. There you go. City Field, okay. <laughs> All right, last well, one now, here. Oh. And now I'm a Kraken fan because Seattle just just getting its hockey its first hockey team, the Seattle Kraken. Yes. Yeah, so so it I is, think it's, it's a pretty fun silly name, name but but <laughs> no. um, 
you like it because it's because of from whence it derives. I didn't know about <laughs> Krakens, but now I do. All right, last one here on the pick one. Are you a dog person or a cat person? We talked about this a little bit before. Puppies. I like puppies. <laughs> <laughs> I think dogs. Cats scare me a little, but I think that's just the superstitious stuff that I need to get out of my mind. Let's say puppy. What about you, Professor Rehan? Well, as I am, as we speak, almost literally surrounded by my daughter and son-in-law's two blue healer dogs who I am dog sitting for the week. I daren't say anything other than other than dogs, right. lest, I, lest I offend their sensibilities. Right. <laughs> well, you've made it to the end of the lightning round. Thanks, thanks to you both. This has been one of the most fun podcasts we've done in, in quite some time. So I really appreciate it. Is there anything you'd like to say to the law school community? Oh, you would start with me on that. One. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me let me um let me add on to something that that Ms. Diallo said. And I I should add, I call all my students by their last name. I love ben, Mr. Myers asked Ms. Diallo <laughs> what she wanted to be what she wanted to be called. So. When she gets to pick, it's Jennifer. When I get to pick, it's it's um, it's Ms. Diallo. But I guess what I would say to the community is, we're in tough times, made in my mind a little better by yesterday. But but um, it's 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 tough times. COVID is tough. Uh, racial issues and issues of social justice are tough. And as you mentioned, Ben, to Ms. Diallo, an earlier question, this is on top of what is already a very very tough three years. You know, not everybody gets to, to be a professional. Not everybody gets to be a lawyer. It's hard and it's supposed to be hard. And so I would, I would echo what Ms. Diallo says. I did very badly my first semester in law school and I was very disheartened and I was blaming everybody but myself until I sort of turned it around and said, you're the one who did terribly, not everybody else. And so I dug in and, and worked really hard to fix it. Law school is hard. Law school is supposed to be hard. Do not be defeated. Do not be discouraged. If you're not great at it at first, it's okay. You want to be great at it when you graduate, not when you start. It's part of, part of the learning, part of the glory is the struggle. So as the Army says, Ms. Diallo, embrace the suck yes. and uh, <laughs> move forward. Yes. And get, be comfortable with being uncomfortable. That's one mm -hmm. of our, our sayings too. So yeah, Ben. So I think that, you know, like Professor Rehan said, let's just continue to support one another. Um, your faculty is here for you. I, I'll tell every single student, their faculty is here for you. They're just one email away. And Professor Rehan, she always tells us that her first year law school, she spent the whole time looking at the Black Law Letter Dictionary, trying to figure out what the case was and she spent eight hours on her first case brief so you know that's she shares that with us to let us know that nothing is impossible you know she's a professor now so you know I say to people don't be afraid to speak up like your voice has power and remember that law school is a critical thinking space and to always keep that when you go into it just to be in a space where you can have fun. You know, you're here to pursue your passion, enjoy the best um, that you can and, and, and do your best, do the best that you can because your best is always enough. So that's what I try to tell myself. And that's what I want to tell other people. And Ben, if I could add one thing to what Ms. Diallo has just said. Oh, law course. school is, and, and she has alluded to this, 
But law school is way more than just the classroom. She yes. hasn't even had a chance to really experience this yet because of COVID. But once we're back up and fully running, present on the campus, there's speakers almost every night. There's competitions where you watch your fellow students compete. There's all kinds of interesting discussions, formal and informal, that take place outside of the classroom. And that's something else you want to embrace. That's where a lot of the learning goes on as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and have fun and laugh and, you know, enjoy yourself. It's, it's and a good time. Fun. <laughs> and study for property exactly. study for property okay if you have <laughs> professor rayhan get ready for her midterm she does not play okay <laughs> thank you both so so much for coming on the podcast it, it's been a, an absolute pleasure to have you both on thanks ben and miss thank diallo you, i'll ben. see you in class on monday see you in class and ben thank you so much for having us we thanks really for having us you. yeah this is great first started teaching most students thought they thought of lawyers as being in courtrooms so mm -hmm. that's what that's yeah. what they pictured they'd be doing and of course that's not what all lawyers do at all as a matter of fact that's not what mo most lawyers do and then we've seen over the decades uh, lawyers going into banking going into financial right. houses lawyers being human resources people for large corporations there's so many different and and then the huge one that albany law school is so advantageous for is, is lawyers being policymakers for mm -hmm. for governments whether they're lobbyists for the government to the government or whether they actually work in, in the government in public service and are, and really are able to shape public policy in a way that a lot of law students don't picture when they start law school that yeah. that they can be really be involved at that at that level at all and that it, it, the the skills that you're learning the writing skills the persuasive skills the mm -hmm. logical skills bring allow you to bring great value to the public policy argument as well. Yeah. Oh man, so hard. Now I don't know if I want to be a senator or. <laughs> oh, you're going to be president. Thanks for confusing me, Professor. <laughs> you're going to be a five-star general, or you're going to be president. Oh, and I'll and I'll remember this conversation. There you go. I'm going to say, do you remember this, Professor Rayhan? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Professor Rayhan will have transitioned to a different platform by then. Oh, but we oh have my! Have the conversation in the spirit. <laughs> no, you'll be here. Don't say. That. <laughs>